0: All right. Hey, we're really excited about Financial Peace University be uh, becoming part of what we are doing here as a church, um, as well as the video at the beginning starting point is another group uh, that's a short-term group that we're offering here um, starting in September. And so if you have uh, questions about either one of those, uh, I know they said on the announcements, but make sure you go by the lobby um, out in, or go by the table out in the lobby. Uh, we've got some people there to answer those questions for you. Um, I'll tell you this, Financial Peace University, um, I, I know that it's kind of a hard sell some times because you're like, hold on a minute. I want to come. You're telling me I want to sign up. I want to talk to people about my money. Like, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, I didn't want to do that for years and years and years and use the excuse, well, I'm a pastor, so that'd be kind of awkward, right? Um, And my wife kept saying, no, no, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. And um, several years ago, uh, we took the financial peace course. And um, and i tell you what, um, if you're in a place where you feel like you're going from week to week, you feel like you're overwhelmed, you feel like, how are we going to get out of this? Are we ever going to be able to get ahead? Um, it is a great, great opportunity, uh, and it's done in a way that's so not intimidating and so not intrusive. So make sure to stop by and talk to the bronze. Once you talk with them, you'll get a real good feel uh, for how that group's going to be, um, and so we want to let you know about that. But hey, we're going to uh, conclude today our uh, our series on getting back to church. We've been looking over the past weeks um, at really kind of who we are as a church and what does that mean. And today, uh, we're gonna talk about the ever fun topic of commitment, right? Uh, commitment's one of those things that we all like it. Uh, we all like having it. We like talking about it. We like for other people to be committed. Uh, but it's hard because commitment always requires sacrifice, does it not? There's always something behind commitment to make it work. And commitment, it really, just to talk about it, here's how we're going to define it. It's commitment is the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause, and activity, or something like that. It's devotion. It's, it's um, uh, dedication. It's allegiance. You know, it's giving who you are to, to something else, right? There's a story, an illustration of a chicken and a pig, and you've probably heard about this, but, but I came across a, kind of a, a cartoon of it, and let's, let's look at this, and it talks about the difference between commitment and, and really just kind of just being involved in something, right? So put that up on the screen. Uh, so a pig and a chicken are walking along, right? Uh, the chicken says, hey, pig, uh, which you would never say to anybody except he's talking to a pig, right? He says, hey, pig, uh, we should open a restaurant. I'm not sure. What will we call it, the pig says. The chicken says, how about ham and eggs? And uh, the pig kind of thinks for a minute and he says this, no thanks, I'd be committed, but you'd only be involved, right? There's a difference between, to so me, I'll get it here in a minute. There's like, there's, there's waves of laughter. Some people are like, oh, and it's like, oh, yeah, right? There, there's a difference between being committed to something and just simply being involved. And for so many people, church is something that you just kind of attend. It's something you're involved in, but it's not really something that we commit to. But commitment goes hand in hand with what it means for us to experience life in Jesus. And there are two foundational ideas that I want to share with you before we jump into how that specifically applies to our series. And when we talk about commitment and faith, and so take your notes out, write this down. The first one is this, is that following Christ requires a commitment. To follow Jesus Christ, it requires a commitment. Look what Jesus says in Luke 9, 23 to 25. He says, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for you to, for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Jesus says, if you want to follow me, if you want to be a fully devoted, passionate, growing follower of Jesus Christ, it requires a commitment. He says, you've got to be willing to deny yourself. That takes commitment. You've got to be willing to take up your cross, which was uh, an instrument and a symbolism of, of death in Jesus' culture. You've got to be willing to take that up, and it requires a commitment. But then, you know, I came across this quote, too, uh, a guy named G.K. Chesterton, who's a, uh, a, a faith author from, from a while back. And here's what he said, and I think this is, this is so, so important to understand. That the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting It's been found difficult and left untried. That for so many people, it's not that Jesus and faith in Jesus didn't work for them. It was that what it was requiring of them was not worth it in their mind. Because following Christ requires a commitment. It takes a commitment. You know, people oftentimes will reject what Jesus has to say, not because of what Jesus is not, but because what they're unwilling to do to experience all that Jesus offers to them. So following Christ requires a commitment. We've got to start with that foundation. The second thing, though, is this, is that, and this is a principle not just in in faith, in anything in life, the greater our commitment, the greater the change. The greater the commitment, the greater the change. This is that principle of sowing and reaping, that what we put into something is going to determine what we get out of that thing. Look what Paul says in Galatians 6, 7 through 10. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Saying this, that what you give your life to will determine what you get out of life. What you invest in, what you're committed to will determine how your life changes or how much or how little that happens. So just look about it in life. If you're greatly committed to your health, you're going to have healthy life. You're going to see that change come, right? If your commitment to health is, well, I'll get a Diet Coke with the Big Mac, or I'll start working out and we'll start a diet the very next Monday, and it's always next Monday, right? I'm, I'm with you, okay? I'm not judging, right? But you're not going to see the change that you desire. Why? Because commitment, right, the level of commitment is, is correlated to the level of change. It's, it's what we get. The greater the commitment, the greater the change. Same thing with your finances. If your finances are unhealthy, you're out of whack, you're, you're, you're suffering in debt, you're struggling to get along, if you're committed to doing something about your finances and getting those finances in order, the greater your commitment to actually doing that, the greater the change is going to come in your life with your commitment. Same thing with relationships. And it's a principle that's important to understand about our faith too. That, that the only way to, to become a follower of Jesus and or to grow as a follower of Jesus is by growing as a follower of Jesus. The only way you're gonna get closer to God is by doing the things that you need to do that will help you get closer to God. And the more committed you are to your faith, the more committed you are to Jesus and the things that he says are priority, the more change you're gonna see spiritually in your life. Now, here's where I wanna just pause for a second and clarify something because I don't want you to hear something I'm not saying. Because when it comes to faith and commitment, when it comes to God's role and our part, It's so easy to get that twisted. And so I want you to write this down. That we don't work for God's love. We work because of God's love. We've got to understand how this plays out. We don't work. We don't commit to things and do things in order to earn God's love. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot work your way to God's favor. Like, you cannot, you cannot do anything that makes God love you or love, love you any more, love you any less. That you don't work, we don't work. The things that we do are part to this relationship. It is not something that, that we work for. But how we live and what we do and what we commit to, we do because of God's love. Look what Paul says in, um, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. He talks about this tension. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, period. That our faith in God, our faith in Jesus, that's what gives us eternal life. That's what forgives our sin. That's what changes us. That's what makes us his. It's our faith in him and it's his grace. And he says, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Look at verse nine. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So, none of us can boast about it. He says, listen, don't don't miss this. We don't work for God's love. We don't do good things for God's love. We don't go to church so one day we'll be able to go to heaven. Like, we, we don't do things to get God's love and salvation in our life because it's by His grace, it's a free gift. We accept that. We believe that. We trust in it. But the works that we do are not to get that from God. We do what we're called to do because of what God has done for us. He goes on to talk about this. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He holds this tension of it's not by your works that God loves you and has saved you and forgiven your sin and given you eternal life. But because he's done that through his grace and your faith, you're supposed to then make the most of that. And that's where commitment comes in. Commitment is not really about this you know, salvation type thing. Commitment is how we grow. And so when we talk about commitment. Don't walk out of here feeling like, well, if I don't do certain things, God's not gonna love me, that I'm not gonna get to heaven. Trusting in Jesus is the only way you and I can get to heaven. It's the only way we can have a relationship with God. And the things that we're called to do, to grow in that relationship, the commitment we're going to talk about, isn't to earn God's love. It's to be done because of God's love. And we need to understand that. Well, what does commitment have to do with this series we're in, getting back to church? Well, i to talk about that. Because we've been talking about just this reality that if you want to grow up spiritually, right, it takes more than just showing up physically. Like there, there's something that we, there's this partnership we have with God. And as a church, we we believe that that partnership and what God's called us to do is best expressed in, in this statement. That we talk about that we want to be a church where all people can experience life in Jesus. That's our mission. That's who River Club is. So if you're brand new today and you're kind of like, hey, I'm not sure, you know, is this a church that maybe I want to start attending? And I want to be, become involved with, I want to commit myself to. Well, that's kind of our, it's, this is our heart. If you've been a River Club person for a long time, this is what we're doing. This is what we want to be about. We believe God has led us here. And so some of the changes that you see happening around here are because we believe this is going to help us actually accomplish this. That we want to be a church where all people can experience life in Jesus. Now, we've unpacked that for, for four weeks or so. And so you can go back and check that out. But it's basically this idea. We want to be a church that loves people and welcomes people as they are. And loves them in such a way that we lead them to experience all the things that God has for them through Jesus Christ. As we're growing in our faith, we want to lead other people to grow. And everything we do, we believe, happens because of Jesus. That's why in Jesus is the last part of that statement. And so that's who we are. But we've been saying, okay, well, what does it mean, though, to really be part of the church? What Are there things that we can do to grow in our faith? And we've identified these five things that we want to commit to and ask you to choose to commit to to be part of River Club Church. We talked week one that we want to worship God together and apart. We want to come in settings like this and worship God corporately. We also want to spend time worshiping God, reading the Bible, praying to God on a daily basis on our own. Second is this, is that we want to serve on a team. That God has gifted you to serve. He's created you to make a difference. And God wants to use your gifts and abilities on a team to serve our church, our community, and our world. Third is this, is this, is to connect to a group, that God has created us for a community. And one of the best ways we can grow spiritually is by getting into a smaller setting where we can get to know people and encourage people and challenge people and be challenged by people. And that's how we go with groups. So that might be a life group, might be a women's Bible study, might be Financial Peace University we talked about or starting point. But those are some options for you to do that. Last week we talked about this, that we want to invite other people to experience life in Jesus. That we don't just as a church gather together to focus on our life. We gather together to focus on not just us, but sharing with other people how they can experience what we've experienced and are experiencing with Jesus Christ. And then today, here's where commitment comes in. The, The one of these five things that really ties it all together is that we as a people choose to commit to the mission that if, if River Club Church is not going to be the church I attend or be your church pastor, but it's going to be my church or our church, then we've got to make a commitment to the mission of what God is doing here. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Because I want to talk to you a little bit about what does it mean to commit to the mission? What's the, the result of God's people when they commit to one another in the power of the local church? What can God do to not only grow them, but to grow others as well? And then how do we practically do that? Because the reality is this, is that more and more in our church culture, we, we, we don't have a, a culture of commitment. But that more and more people are more committed to the idea of church, or to even several churches, and attending church, than they are about truly being committed to a church. I did some research and came across this one quote. Here's what it says. Statistically, one out of four church attendees are considered church shoppers with no real devotion to any particular church. Now, you may kind of be like, oh, wait, that's me. I'm not trying to judge today. I'm just being honest with you. I think that misses out on what God's desire is for the local church. And so maybe, you know, you're a person or you know some people who, you know, they kind of, they go here because, you know, they like this, this pastor or they go here because they like the kids ministry some weeks or they go here because they've got, you know, breakfast the first Sunday of the month or they go here because, you know, the, the worship guy's good and they kind of, their church involvement is really a bunch of different places in a very shallow way. And, and that, I don't think that's really what God is, is calling us to do, Right? Balk goes on to say this, that an estimated 15 to 20 million Americans have said they're Christians but don't want to be part of the church. Another growing trend are are followers of Jesus that say, I don't really feel like I need to be part of a church. I don't need to be a follower of, I don't need to be a a church member of a church to be a follower of Jesus. And they're, they're right. You don't have to be a member of a church to be a follower of Jesus. But I would argue that you have to be a part of a local church, committed to a local church to be an obedient, growing follower of Jesus. But there's a lot of reasons why that happens. And the reality is this, is, is I think there's a correlation between a lack of commitment and why churches are more like this. Is 80% of American evangelical churches are plateaued or declining. So church in America is not moving forward at the rate that it should be. And it says there's a lot of reasons why people have given up on church or say they don't need church. It says when asked, people give the standard answers that church is irrelevant, it's boring, it's hypocritical, they're only after my money. Some have been hurt by the church and in some cases very deeply. And I want to tell you this, that if that's your story, if the reason why you're not committed to a a local church or you're hesitant to be part of a local church is because you've experienced the worst of church, my heart goes out to that. But we also, I believe, need to push through some of that as well. Because I wonder this, could it be as the commitment of people within the local church goes down. The effectiveness of the local church also goes down. And maybe it's kind of a chicken or the egg, right? Well, are people not going to church because churches aren't really doing what they're supposed to do? Or are churches not able to do what they're supposed to do because people aren't really going to church? I think it's probably some of both. Now, it's not all on you. I'll be the first person to say, as as a pastor, as a leader of a church that we've got to do things that are going to change people's perceptions of church. Because I would agree with a lot of why people don't go to church. I've been to church where it was irrelevant, where it was boring, where people were hypocritical. I've been to churches where I've seen people hurt and I've seen unhealthiness. And so my commitment is that we want to be a church that that goes against those things and tries to do what we do in a way that changes people's perception of the local church. But in order for that to happen, It takes a church that is committed to the mission. Because a pastor can't do it, a staff can't do it, a handful of key leaders can't do it. And so commitment is an important thing, not just for us as individuals. Commitment's an important thing when it comes to the church as a whole. And the power of commitment and what that really creates is is best seen, I believe, in the very, very first church in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 tells the story, and in verse 42 through 47, there's a description of, here's what church looked like. The first followers of Jesus had to figure out, how do we do this thing as followers of Jesus? What does it mean to have a quote-unquote church, an ecclesia, right? And they begin to function a certain way. But there's one thing that defined them. Look at this with me. In Acts 2, 42. It says, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. The very first thing that said about these people, the first church, the first followers of Jesus in Jerusalem was, is that in what they did, they devoted themselves. They were committed. Devotion to sin and for commitment. That they were devoted, and they were devoted to several things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, And to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. So they begin to do life in a certain way, but they did it as committed people. And because of their commitment, because of their devotion, several things happened. And I think it's the same things that can still happen in a local church today when the church is devoted and committed to the mission and to the people God has brought together. Look at this. First thing is this. Through commitment, here's what we see. Through commitment, we see this, that church is experienced, not just attended. That because of commitment, church becomes an experience, not something that is just simply attended. I think for too many people, church is something that they attend. It's something that they go to whenever it's convenient or whenever they have time or they regularly go there. And that's just kind of what they do, but they go there and they're a part of it. They're quote-unquote involved, but they're still not quite committed. Well, when we're committed to each other, we're committed to the church and the mission of the church. Church becomes something that we experience. It's something we're a part of. It's not just something we attend. Look what happened in their life, starting in verse 43. So a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers, look how many times it says all and they in this collective Group says, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their possessions and and, and property and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. That church was not something that they attended, church was what they were, to they were. It was an experience. It was, it, was, it was the fact that, that they were a part of this group. That was church. And because of that, it became something that was life-giving and not just something that was attended. I don't know about you, but when I, when I hear that and I listen to it, I think, man, what would it be like to have been part of that first church? To, 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 to see God do crazy, miraculous, life-changing things on a regular basis. To say, man, this is what happens when we commit to the mission God has given to this local group. So we see this, that we commit and church becomes an experience, not something we just attend. But the second thing is this, is we see that that community, that relationship, that connection, it becomes contagious. That when a church is committed to one another and to its mission, it becomes something that draws other people to what God is doing. In Acts 2.47, it says this, And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So because of what they were doing, because of their devotion, their commitment to, to, to the group and to what God was doing, to the mission of God that God had given to them, is people were drawn to that. If there's something that church can be in our world, I believe it's this, is it can be something where relationships, love and hope and truth become contagious. Because there's something that can happen at a local church that cannot be experienced anywhere else. It can, there is. Different than a social club, different than a social organization, different than just something we come and attend. It became contagious. People heard about them and their love and their hope and their serving one another and what they were doing in the community and that it drew other people there. And not just drew other Christians there, it says it drew people who weren't following Jesus Christ and then became followers of Jesus Christ, which is the Great Commission. It's our mission, right? And so we see that that com- community became contagious, and here, here's the third thing we, we see, is that change is constant. In that same verse in verse 47, it says that each day the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, that life change be- became something that was constant. that day in and day out, they heard stories and saw lives being changed. And it was because of their devotion, their commitment. And see, so I believe that, that River Club Church can see more and more of what they saw. If we're willing to become more and more like them. That, that the greater our commitment to the mission, the greater our devotion to one another, the greater our availability to what God is wanting to do in and through us here at this church, the greater the change. That, that daily, we can see people's lives changed for eternity. That on the regular, we would see stories and hear stories of... of uh, of people being healed and, and recovering from their hurts, their habits, their hangups, the things that draw them back, that we would see people overcome these things that are holding them back and, and challenging them, that people be, would be healed physically, that people would be relationally reconnected, like all this stuff could happen. And as it's happening in smaller ways, I think it could happen in larger ways. So what does it mean though? for you and me practically to live that kind of devoted life, to truly commit to the mission? Well, there's a lot of ways you can think about it and talk about it, because it's basically saying, I'm going to give who I am to something more than me. But there's really, I think, three things that, that we can focus on to practically say, I'm ready to commit to the mission. Here's what it means for me to be devoted to what God is doing here at River Club Church. First one is this, is I think the first one is, is we're committed when we commit our time is we're committed when we commit our time. I think time is probably one of the most valuable resources that we could give to somebody else or to something else. And the reason I know that is because that I've talked to people, and I know people in this room who have said no to job promotions or different jobs that had a higher salary because of the negative effect it was going to have on their time. And as a culture, we value the, the finances, we value the, the monetary compensation, but then we also look at, okay, how do we make sure that we're not just working all the time and not able to do other things? But even with that, time is precious. Because here's the thing, we all have the same number of hours in a day. Like I, unless, unless you're different, I've never met somebody that said, well, I have 25 hours. I'm like, if you do, like, how'd that happen? Because I got to figure that out, right? There's all seven days in a week, 12 months in a year, right? Now, how many years we get and when our endpoint comes, that's different, right? But for now, we've all got the same thing to work with. But it's a matter of how are we going to spend that time? How are we going to commit the time that we have to the mission of what God wants to do in us individually, but also in us as a community? Look what Paul says, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. He says, listen, you have a certain number of opportunities that come your way. Certain amount of time. He says, make the most of those. He says, don't act thoughtlessly, meaning this, don't allow time to plan you, but plan your time. And give your time to the things that matter the most. Well, what are those things when it comes to, like, commitment to the local church? Well, I think one is this, as we talked about, is to worship weekly. We talked about the importance of gathering together and worshiping God in a setting like this. I think this should be a commitment. It should be a priority for us. that, That we say, listen, that there's value in us coming together to worship God. Now, there's also great value in worshiping God on your own, spending time reading the Bible and doing that's another time commitment that involves worship. But, but can I let you in on in my thought just a little bit? It's kind of a little side thing. Because worshiping weekly, I believe, is important. But culture no longer has set aside Sunday morning as a time that's off limits so people can worship, right? I mean, stores are open now. Restaurants are open now sports teams play now, travel softball, travel football, all that stuff kind of happens now, right? Now we have two options then with that is we can either kick and scream and push against it and say, if you don't, you know, you, you shouldn't be a travel team. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that if it takes you out of church. But I think in some ways that minimizes the mission of what God may actually want to do because you might actually have a bigger impact because your connection is for that season on that travel team, but it means you can't go to church. Now, those people don't agree with that. That's okay. But what it's got me thinking is this, is if we say this time's important, but more and more, Sunday morning is a time that less and less people actually have available and free to, to make the decision to come to church and be a part of a church to do, why don't we think about doing church at a different time as well? There's some people, their livelihood, and we can, we, can, we can debate, like, well, they should get a new job. They should do this and that. But everybody's different. There's some people who Sunday morning, they can't consistently be a part of church. Well, so do we just blame them or do we, the church, say, hey, if we believe in this, when's another time? I think it's a conversation we've got to start thinking about. Now, here's the scary part. To do that means we've got to be willing to commit. Because it takes more than Zach saying, hey, let's do a Thursday night at seven for all the people that that work on the weekends. But if it's just me, like nothing else is going to happen. So we got to think about that. It's part of that commitment. But we want to challenge people to worship weekly. We want to challenge people to connect relationally. Talk about groups. Make time for that. It's a sacrifice, I know. But we sacrifice and commit to what we care about. Third thing is this, is that we want to invite consistently. We talked last week about inviting people to experience life in Jesus. And sometimes that first step is inviting them to come to your group or to come to church on Sunday or come to an event. Investing in relationships, it takes time. And sometimes we don't invest in relationships because we don't have the time to do it or we don't think we have the time to do it. But we want to commit our time. Second thing is this, it's not just committing our time. We want to challenge people and we want to commit our gifts and abilities. That God has given all of us, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. God has given all of us certain, you know, spiritual gifts, a certain passion and heart for things, a certain personality, certain natural talents and abilities that we're good at, certain experiences. And He wants to use all of those things, not just for us, but for other people. But we've got to be willing to say, okay, this is what I'm willing to do with my gifts and abilities. Because the church is only as strong as who makes up the church. And if there are needs in the church that are being unmet, it might not be because nobody has the skill to meet those needs, but that whoever has the skill to meet that need isn't committed to use that skill for that need. Just the way it works. And I know that many in this room are giving over and above time and your gifts and abilities. But there are some that are still on the sideline. And you're missing out in how God wants to grow your faith. But you're also hampering and hindering the greater mission of what God could be doing here at River Club. Peter says this, First Peter 4, 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. Like we're called to do that. And so we want to challenge you to serve Strategically. To say, here's where I'm gifted, here's where my ability is, here's where I have passion, here's an available need, I'm going to connect with that available need, and I'm going to make a difference. Some of you are like, I don't know what my gift is, I don't know what my skill is, I don't know what I could really provide or offer. Well, jump into some place that you have a heart for, or a passion for, or maybe you can tolerate once a week, right? And just get started. And say, hey, this is where I'm going to jump in. If that doesn't work, find something else, Right? But commit those gifts and abilities. And here's the third thing. We've got our time, our gifts and abilities. And the third is this, is to be committed to the mission is to commit our finances. Let's commit our finances. Now I know I said earlier that one of the reasons people don't go to church is because they don't like the pastors talk about money. But I'll just be honest with you. Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven. Why? It's a reality of life whether you like it or not. Like I would love to say that the electric company says, oh, you're a church? We'll we'll turn the lights on for free, right? I would love to say like the air conditioning is like, oh, no, no, we we got that this month, right? Like the coffee and the stuff, you know, in the back? No, we'll just donate all that stuff, right? But ministry requires resources. It does. And the way God resources the mission of the church is through the church. Always has been, always will be. And if you're part of a local church, God is calling you to commit not just your time, not just your gifts and abilities. He's calling you to commit your finances, to give back from what he's given you to the mission he's connected you to be part of. Now, here's what we don't want to do. We'll look at this first, Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, the best part of everything you produce. Then... He will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Just the way it is. There's a reality. God has given you what you have, whether it's a little or it's a lot. And he says, I want you to use it the way that I think is best, the way that I I desire. And part of that is committing to the mission financially. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, each of you should give What you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God is a cheerful giver. Listen, I don't believe it's right or I don't believe it's it's, it's even beneficial to try to guilt people into giving to the church. Because you should give what in your heart you've decided to give. What God has given to you the level at which you understand that, you appreciate that, is what you commit back to him. Now, the Bible sets some, some kind of parameters. It sets a goal. It sets a, a standard. And that standard is 10%, I believe. It's, it's a tithe. That you take 10% of what you have and you give that to the mission of God, the local church. And I'll stand here today and be very open and honest with you that me and my family give 10% and then a little bit more to local church at River Club. I don't say that in a bragging way, but I say it because I want you to understand that if I'm calling you to commit, I'm going to do the same thing. And I'll be honest with you, there are some days we're looking at the budget and the thought crosses my ungodly mind, man, I could use that money in a different way. Like if if I had that money back, I'd have a nice truck, Right? Or, I mean, we'd be able to, like, do this, be able to do that. Like, listen, it's a sacrifice. I understand. But if God's calling us to commit, then for me, we want to honor him the way that we feel led. And so what I would say is committing your finances might be a step to take. Maybe you're not giving anything. Give something for the very first time. Maybe you're giving very inconsistently. Give something that you decide on a regular basis. Maybe you're like, well, okay, I, I want to give 10%, but I'm not quite there yet. We'll take a step toward that. And over time, get to where God would have you be. Maybe you're like, I give 10%. Are there other ways God's calling you to continue to give? That tithe is kind of the, the bar. It's not the, the max. But part of that commitment is when we give our money to things, our heart tends to go that same direction. Jesus talked about that. That where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if we're going to commit, we've got to understand this, that following Jesus requires a commitment. The greater that commitment, the greater the change. And so here's the question I have for you today. It's It's a simple question. Are you committing to the mission? Are you committed to the mission? Listen, if you're, if you're a guest here today and you're like, well, no, I'm not because it's my first time here. I'm not even sure this is like the, the church that I'm going to commit to and be a part of. Okay, that's great. Maybe you're like, you know what? This, this isn't my church. I'm out of town. I, you know, or, or I'm just here for the day or something like that. Well, listen, wherever you are, find a place. But if this is the place God's calling you to, If this is the local church that God's calling you to be part of, the challenge is to commit. Commit your time, commit your gifts, commit your finances, commit your your life, your relationships, your energy. Commit that to what God is doing. And I believe this that when we do that, God will not only grow and change us, God will grow us and change us collectively in a way where we begin to change others. And we accomplish our mission of being a place where all people experience life in Jesus. Romans 12.1, I'll end with this. Paul talks about our right response when it comes to what God has done for us. He says this, and he goes all the way back to commitment. He says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To so offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You So listen, the right way to respond to what Jesus has done for you is to give everything you have back to him. And it's the difference between looking at your life and holding your life with closed fist and saying, no, 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 this is mine. No, that's mine. Jesus, I'll give you a little bit here, but this is mine. And saying, Jesus, this is yours everything I am, I want to commit to you. And I want to use it the best way I can, believing that when I do, I'll experience that full and abundant life. I'll be part of something bigger than myself, that I'll get to celebrate because my life's being changed, but even more than that, I'll get to celebrate because through me, others are being changed as well. That's what commitment can bring. That's what God wants for you. It's what he wants for me. What so he wants for our church. So are we willing to do that? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that, that you have committed everything for us. That on the cross, you took on our sin. You took on the punishment of our sin. And that because of not only your death, but your resurrection, that we can have eternal life. and full life, abundant life, we can experience hope and healing, restoration and, and righteousness, God. And while we don't work for your love, because of your love, God, we need to commit. And so God, as we sing this next song and we talk about just giving everything back to you and opening up who we are to what you want to do for us and in us and through us, I pray for every single person in this room. God, what is the thing that you're calling them to step into? Could be committing their time, could be committing their gifts and abilities, could be committing their finances, could be committing something else, a very specific thing. I pray God that as we all take that next step of commitment, that you would just change us. Make us more like you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.